0: Welcome to the Life of Christ. Um, This is Lesson 4, and we're going to pick up where we left off in um, Luke chapter 2 and verse 13. In Lesson 3, we looked at these verses. We looked at the fact that God didn't come to the elite. He came to shepherds. Amen? And here we are right in the middle of the angel speaking to these shepherds, giving them the sign. And it was that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, which meant too numerous to number or even comprehend of heavenly hosts. Alright, which is a term used to describe an army encampment, letting us know that an actual heavenly army brought a message of peace and goodwill to man. Praising God. Now, let let me just stop there for just a minute. Remember again that Jesus Christ is known as the Lord of Hosts. A lot of times we don't realize that that word actually makes reference to angelic beings. Alright? And so there were all these angels, you see, this is the thing that sometimes people don't get, that Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, not only created the angels, but He is their leader, He is their ultimate leader. Alright? Yes, Michael is over some, and Gabriel, and so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, He is the one that's chief above all of them. And so, they're hailing their chief right now. They're coming down and they're saying, He has come, he's arrived. All right, and an army is singing praises, which is very interesting. And always, always thought it was just you know some little fairy, little girly-looking angels. Not there's nothing wrong with the girls, okay? But you know what I'm trying to say. I, it, I, you know, it never pictured an army standing there and singing. It was like a battle hymn, huh? And they were saying, "Messiah has come, the Redeemer has come." The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords has arrived. And that prophecy in Genesis 3.15, where he said, he's going to come and he's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. He will put an end to your authority. And here he was. He turned up. Hallelujah. So This is what's going on right now. And notice what they're singing, praising God and singing, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now that immediately tells us that it hasn't been this way always. Okay, listen carefully. Ever since man sinned, there has been a huge separation and man has been fighting God, and God has been trying to get to man, and it's just been difficult. Okay, what started out as a pleasant walk in a garden, what started out as man fellowshipping with God, his create, the Creator and the Created, walking in harmony, suddenly there's animosity, suddenly man wants to worship other gods, suddenly there's all this stuff going on, and there has been this massive gulf that has come between God and man. And Satan has been happy and he's just rejoicing over this gulf as it gets greater and greater to where all the religious people are acting more like the devil than God. And he's thinking, this is really good, it's going really well. And here comes Jesus. In the midst of all that corruption, in the midst of all kinds of bloodthirsty dictators and everything else, comes the Messiah. And you know what? That's the reason why there are angels dressed in battle gear singing. That's right. Because it's going to be on very soon. That's right. I mean, for them, you know, they're living etern- you know, in terms of eternity. Mm. Alright, what's 30 years? Mm. Seriously, that's just nothing. It's a drop in the bucket, you know. And so it's basically, a drop in the ocean, I should say. It, it, you know, it's just, he's here it's about to take place. And boy, we're going to be ready for this one. This is what is entailed in this, this, this chorus singing. They're saying, basically doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger, He's back. Okay? Because <laughs> he was there in the garden. He got kicked out because of Adam and Eve's sin, in a sense. Okay? Just take it for what it's worth. And now he's back. Took a lot of working out, but he came back. So, hallelujah. In his commentary, William Hendrickson writes, These angels, having been associated with Christ in heaven before his incarnation, knew something about his glory, riches, and majesty. That's from Isaiah 6, 1-3. They had also become aware of man's fall. And they had been, been informed that God had provided a way of salvation for man. And from the bottom of their hearts, this army shouts... Glory to God in the highest. They desire that all creation shall praise God. Amen. Amen. But also, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Which Leon Morris explains means peace between God and people, the healing of the estrangement caused by human evil. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Luke continues on to say in verses 15 through 20, in Luke 2. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go, or literally, come on, let us go to Bethlehem. And now they had to cover an appreciable distance in order to reach Bethlehem, okay? And, seeing the, and see this thing that has come to pass. So they're about to embark on a bit of a journey here. But you know what? After angels sing to you, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Okay. <laughs> he says, and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they came with haste. So they didn't stop, man. They weren't walking slow. Amen. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Remember, said this is the sign. You'll find him in swaddling swabbing clothes, laying in a manger. You're looking for that one. That's the kid. All right. Verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. It's interesting who God told. He knew the people that would go and spread it abroad. Amen. Alright. In other words, these men hid nothing. They told their story to Mary and Joseph and to many others besides. See, that would have, that would have been so encouraging for Mary and Joseph. You know, we, we miss that sometimes. Because they would have said, who are you? Where are you? Where are you from? You know. They said, let us tell you, man... We were sitting there, chewing on our sandwich, watching our sheep, smelly job, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, ta-da! A hole! And you know what? It said there, were, there it was too many to count. It wasn't like a small little, you know, choir group that turned up at your doorstep. You know how in caroling, you know, they come a few turn up, and they sing their little song, and, and it wasn't like that. Do look up, and it was so... The reason it was so bright was there was so many of them. Mm. Angels were just across the sky. If you could just imagine them just going on and on and on into the distance and you couldn't even see. Remember there's like 1.5 trillion angels in all. That's a lot of angels. This is their leader. This is their commander. This is their God. Seriously, as much as He's our God, it's their God as well. Hear me, okay? This is their creator. He's being born. And they've, they've had such a terrible time since Lucifer rebelled and did all of that stuff, then he came and messed up the earth. It was just been one thing after another. Are you all with me? So you can, you know, if you, just, you need to see this. That, I mean, these shepherds were looking at something that was just beyond their comprehension. And can you imagine, just think for a minute. They're all singing. They're not soft. Can you imagine the boom? And the sound that was coming from an army that is singing about their Messiah at the top of their voice, glory to God. Wow. So they're telling all this to Mary and Joseph. You know, and Mary could use a bit of good news right now. I mean, she's been on a donkey for so long, and they, you know, I mean, it's just not been a good trip. You'd think that, can I just say this as well? You'd think Mary would think, This is good, this immaculate conception and all. Could we not get some lodging? (laughs) Did we not plan ahead? You knew this was coming? Come on now. Okay. The Messiah is about to be born and there's no room. Give us a break. Did we miss God? You don't know. You don't know what was going through their mind. That they're sort of in this. You know, they had better lodgings in their own home. Think about this now. They left all of that, did all of this, here is this Messiah being born, and there's no place to put the kid. So you can just imagine, when these shepherds come and say, Whoa, guess what happened? It would have been such a relief to Mary and Joseph that they thought, Oh, thank God, we're in His will. <laughs> I would be thinking that right about then. Maybe this is right. Maybe we're meant to be here. Amen. Because the shepherds say, this was the sign that you're going to find him here. So that would they would know then that they were right in the center of God's will. Everything that had happened, even seemingly wrong, was actually right. Amen? Again, we must not miss these things. They're so important. So there's, again, they shared their story. Uh, with Mary and Joseph and to many others besides, in fact so thoroughly convinced were these men of the truth of their story and so sure were they of its importance that they were willing to risk disbelief and even ridicule. Because you know some people are going to say, what have you been smoking, dude? (laughs) I mean, you know, bright lights and angels, yeah, sure. And Messiah in the stable? Give us a break. Okay, verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled. He didn't say they believed. Don't read things in that are not there. Okay, watch now. It says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. So they were like, wow. But wow can be like, did you believe that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know. Okay, people marvel at miracles, but that doesn't mean that they get born again, or saved, or believe in Jesus, or anything. They just go, wow, and walk off. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be careful that we're thinking, oh, if only a miracle happened, then they'll believe. Mm -hmm. No. It's, it's, It's something to do with the heart, not your mind. With the heart, man believes. That's the reason why we pray over the hearts of people. Anyway, so among those who marveled over these glorious tidings was the high priest of the synagogue in Bethlehem, I'm going to read something to you. I don't know if I gave this to you or not. But I thought it was, I'm very hesitant to take some of these things, because you just don't know how accurate they are. Okay, but some things you just look at it and think, mm, no, I, you know, even if it's a little inaccurate, I'd still like to share it with you. So it's one of those, so please take it with a grain of salt. Okay, all right. I'll tell you when it's like that. I'll tell you. So, all right. So, was uh, again among those who marvelled over these glorious tidings uh, was the high priest of the synagogue in Bethlehem, according to the documentation made by the Sanhedrin at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, do you all know who the Sanhedrin are? They were like a ruling group, yeah, that consisted of Pharisees and Sadducees, and okay, all right, okay, you know. All right, moving on. Uh, (laughs) uh, Meaning that they knew listen now, they knew all along that He was, in fact, their Messiah. And they still hid it from the people. Alright? In fact, they're going to hide it so well that later on when Jesus comes in the scene, the people later on, 30 years down the track, are not, not going to know about this. This is the reason why they had such an issue with Him. Had this information had been shared, they would know. But you know, there are things that people do, tell you what, they hide things from their own, You know why? Because it's embarrassing and inconvenient. Do you hear me? And they they will have to justify things then. And so they'd much rather not do that. Better not say anything, and nobody knows. So, here are some selected excerpts from their records. Please remember that this is not scripture, and so too much should not be read into it. It begins... In obedience to to your, that's the Sanhedrin's order, I met with two men who said they were shepherds and were watching their flocks near Bethlehem. They told me that while attending their sheep, that they were awakened by those who were keeping watch with the question, what does this all mean? Behold how light it is, for they knew it was not daylight, for it was only the third watch. All at once the air seemed to be filled with human voices saying glory, glory, glory to the most high God. Their shouting would raise up in the heavens and they would sink down in mellow strains and roll along the foot of the mountains and die away in the most soft and musical manner they had ever heard so that they could not refrain from shouting and weeping at the same time. Further on it goes and reveal that Melchizadek the priest who was a priest of the synagogue at Bethlehem at the time came out shouting and clapping his hands seeming to be frantic with joy the people all came crowding around him and he told them that it was a sign that God was coming to fulfill his promise made to their father Abraham for he said there never has been a case before with such apparent divine manifestations as we're seen on this occasion or as we 're seen on this occasion and as to the truth of these things, the whole of the people of Bethlehem testified to having seen it. the whole of the people of Bethlehem see this was a huge army. Can you imagine this is up in the sky, man? so this starts to make sense now. The shepherds are the only ones that saw it. They, people noticed something going on. Are you all here? Amen? I just thought it was interesting. Again, it says, as, as to the truth of these things, the whole of the people of Bethlehem testified to having seen it, seen it. And the Roman God also came out and asked what it meant. And they showed by their reactions that they were very much alarmed. Wow! Okay, I just thought that was all very interesting. Things that are not recorded, but I think interesting nonetheless. Like I said, this is not scripture. Okay, something for you to just, yeah. Alright, how in total contrast to all this was Mary, with Luke chapter 2 verses 19 and 20 saying, But Mary kept, literally treasured, and retained all these things, and pondered them. Literally, literally putting them all together. So she started thinking about all these things and started piecing them all together. Do you understand? Alright, in her heart. It's interesting that nothing is said about Joseph in this regard. Something else to think about. Because we don't hear much about Joseph after a certain point. kind of just disappears and there's a lot of theories about it and I'm not going to go into them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Because we don't know, we don't know. Verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Morris, that's Leon Morris, says that Luke rounds off the story with the return of the shepherds full of praise to God. With Hendrickson, that's William Hendrickson adding that in fact their faith was further strengthened when they reflected on the fact that they had found everything to be exactly as they had been told. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. That's why it says again that they returned glorifying and praising God. Their hearts are full of praise. Amen. All right. So, chapter six. (laughs) We're getting there. All right. Is this the last chapter of this book? All right. So, we're up to chapter six now, Jesus, and we're going to look at the first 30 years. All right. Once he starts his ministry, that's, that's going to take up all, a lot of time. But the first 30 years, there's not a lot there. So we can cover that fairly quickly. All right? And uh, uh, I want you to see uh, that within that first 30 years, not a lot is said on purpose. And there's a lot of other books written and things that you know, talk about him doing silly things and you know, turning clay birds into real things and all sorts of you know, things like that it, it didn't happen. Okay? He was a normal kid. He was not normal in a lot of ways, but he was normal in what, what we call normal. Do you understand? Alright? Uh, and uh, let's So, let's begin here. Let's begin. So, following all the glorious events at Christ's birth, when we get to Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 24, we are now introduced to the child's presentation at the temple. That's eight days later. And also told of the mother's purification. That's 40 days later. Alright? So, it says there, Luke two and verse twenty one. And when eight days were complete for the circumcision of the child, all right, so now that's from Genesis seventeen, twelve and Leviticus twelve, three, and with Leon Morris point, pointing out that he was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, all right, and was thus subject to the requirements of the law. Okay? So he had to he had to go through all of this stuff. See, don't ever let somebody say, Well, see, Jesus need to be circumcised, so you need to be. Everybody goes, oh, okay, that's, that's good, man. Okay, yeah. Like I said, you know, Jesus had to do things and went through things so that you wouldn't have to. Yeah. All right? So if, if, you know, and so, you know, sometimes you want to tell all those Christians that say, well, we want to be like Jesus. Say, well, then go and get circumcised. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they don't want to be that much like Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, maybe a nut ball would, but okay, normal people wouldn't. Alright, so, but you know why? <laughs> because it's not there. In fact, that was a decision that was made in the time after Jesus died. Um, in the Jerusalem, that's, you know, the church that um, James was looking after. They had a council meeting about that and decided no more. Thank God. Okay, and that's interesting that Jews decided that they didn't need to do this anymore. Not Gentiles. Jew, a, a saved Jewish council, decided that's enough. The unsaved Jewish council said no. Are you all with me? So, good to know. Alright, so again, let me start at the beginning. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Alright, now this naming, more than the circumcision, was the, of the utmost importance. Because it showed God's divine purpose. Alright, and White goes to emphasize the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, at this point, when he is taken to be circumcised, that's when the naming takes place. So, they said, okay, this is his name. His name is called Jesus. And so, that then signified, this is where we're saying, this is God's son. We're not going to call him Joseph. See, remember the tradition was, you know, the father's name, and so on and so forth. And, and again, you know, we've seen this happen before, haven't we? My cousin was the same deal. And so again, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Verse 22. Now when the days of Mary, of her, that's Mary's purification, according to the laws of Moses were complete... Okay, there's all the stuff there. All right. So according to Leviticus 12:1-4, after giving birth to a son, it was not until the 40th day that the time of her purification was complete. So they had all these laws happening. Um, they brought him to the temple at Jerusalem. All right. Now that's uh, about an eight-kilometer journey from Bethlehem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23: As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but let me just give you some commentaries on this. All right? In his commentary, William Hendrickson writes, From this it would be wrong to draw the conclusion that Joseph and Mary were desperately poor. I thought this was important. Mm. Okay. After all, Joseph was a carpenter. He must have had money to pay the redemption fee. Not only the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, he must also have been able to pay lodgings, fees, and to defray other expenses. Besides, for 40 days, the little family had now been living in or near Bethlehem. And by now, the means at his disposal were insufficient to warrant purchase of more expensive offering that's lamb plus bird. Okay? So, you need to understand that they had been living there now for 40 days. Alright? Because they needed to do all of these things before they went back. Do you understand? So, they they must not have been poor. He must have had a fair bit of money. Alright? To do all of that. So, again, something to think about. From a practical standpoint, the full life study Bible says, that as Joseph and Mary presented Jesus to the Lord, so all parents should sincerely consecrate their children to the Lord. They should pray constantly, and from the beginning to the end of each child's life, he or she will be found in the Lord's will, serving and glorifying God with complete devotion. We'll go for another three minutes and we'll have to stop because I don't have room on the tape. Verse 25 through 35. Probably not going to cover it today, but anyway, let's see where we get to. It goes on to say, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just... Alright, he behaved well towards people, and devout, he was right with God, both in heart and action, waiting for the consolation of Israel. All right, now Hen- Hendrickson explains, conditions were very, very bad in Israel. Think of the loss of independence, the cruelty of King Herod, the legalistic scribes and Pharisees and their many followers, worldly-minded Sadducees, the silence of the voice of prophecy for over 400 years. Remember, nothing was said. Okay? And so on. They needed the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. Okay? And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's on Simeon, right. So Simeon had been endowed with a very rare and special blessing now. Before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit rested abidingly upon him. And he was being constantly influenced by that Spirit. It says in verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It means that he was a very old man, right. He was getting close to dying. But God had assured him that he would see the Messiah alright verse 27 so he came by the spirit into the temple or literally in the spirit he came into the temple that's what the literal text says isn't that interesting in the spirit okay so he's praying away and suddenly God says get up go Something is happening. Something important is going on in the temple right now. So he has a special sensitivity. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. He thanked God for for what this child meant to him personally, and also for what it meant to the world, of both Gentile and Jew. And said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to... To your word. Alright, watch the next verse. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Interesting the way he put that, huh? He didn't say, my eyes have seen your child or the Messiah. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. It's huge. He knew what he was here to do. Referring to the one who would redeem people from their sin. Verse 31. Which you have prepared beforehand... The face of all peoples, referring to all nations, tongues and tribes, both Israel and Gentiles. Verse 32. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Hallelujah, that's us. Okay. And the true knowledge of God, holiness and love, joy as never before experienced. And the glory of your people, Israel. So notice that is for both. Revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, sadly, they're not going to receive that very well. Alright, verse uh, 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon (laughs) blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Two things are going to happen. Alright, he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising. Alright, so the fall of all those who reject him. Okay, they're going to fall into hell. So he says, Behold, this child is for, destined for the fall and rising. Alright? Now this is from the dead and the promise of resurrection and ultimate heaven for those Jews who accept him. Of many in Israel. Alright? And for a sign... ...which will be spoken against, indicating Israel's rejection, hatred and crucifixion of the Messiah. And it says in brackets, a yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Remember, that's going to be at the crucifixion. Okay, that she's going to be so sad at that point in time. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, Chuck Swindle writes, in other words, and we'll finish with this. This boy was, was, has a very special purpose... As he pursues his call, the destiny of each person who encounters him will be unveiled for all to see. I know you don't have that one. I'm sorry. Okay. Every time I see Chuck Swindle, I know you don't have it now. Okay, <laughs> I got it. Alright, let me say that again. This boy has a very special purpose. As he pursues his call, the destiny of each person who encounters him will be unveiled for all to see. Alright, those were those that accepted him, and those... That rejected Him. And everybody is going to see what they've been dealing with. All the f- the masks are going to fall. That's the reason why they're going to come to hate Him so much. Because He revealed to everyone what was actually going on. Again, that's the reason why I reckon Matthew you know, turned his life around, because he finally saw somebody that unveiled the hypocrisy and said, this is what's true, this is what's not. No religious games, no falsities, this is how it is. And he wasn't being horrible and mean either. He always looked for people to repent, but I tell you what, if you didn't receive God's grace, then you're going to get his judgment. It's either mercy or judgment. If you repent, you get mercy. If you don't, Good. All right. We're going to leave it there. And uh, we'll pick this up next time.